Today our sermon is simply entitled, Ask. You know, the Bible has so much to say to us as God's children to ask Him, to pray, to intercede for those requests that we have. As I said a moment ago, God is just really burdening me and our church, I believe, calling us to a deeper walk with Him, a deeper prayer life. Somebody well said, you can do many things after you pray, but nothing of eternal significance before you pray. And so we're going to focus today on this doctrine of prayer. And, and the next sermon I preach to you, I'm going to preach on to you is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm just talking to you about some very basic foundational principles of the Christian life. And by the way, if I haven't said this, let, let me just tell you how glad I am that you're here today. I just met someone for the very first time who's a guest here in our church. And ma'am, we're just delighted that you're here and we pray that God really speaks to your heart and He encourages you through this message simply entitled, Ask. Our Lord taught us not only by precept what He said, but also by how He lived the importance of making petition, supplication, or intercessory prayer. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, and I love this text. It says, while it was still early in the morning, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the Bible says, and there he prayed. Now, if Jesus, the Son of God, found it necessary and important to engage in that holy enterprise of prayer, then what does that say to us? If Jesus, who is perfect, would go to his Father and just pour out his heart in prayer to the Heavenly Father, how much more do we need to do uh, the same thing? I also think about the, the church in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, the, the Bible says that the early church had these salient marks or characteristics. They would worship, they would fellowship, they would teach the Word of God, they would uh, spend time with one another in breaking bread. But the Bible also says that they would make a concerted effort to pray. In fact, it says, and they continued steadfastly, ongoingly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, and they would break bread with one another, and they would, as a congregation now, in the church there in Jerusalem, they would pray to God. And so today, as we open up our Bibles, we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, and I want to share with you some of the words of Christ when He taught us uh, the importance of prayer. Now, you'll remember in the Lord's Prayer, the disciples asked Him, they said, uh, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them to pray. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now listen to this. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, God, from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so the disciples did not ask Jesus, would you teach us to preach? Would you teach us to organize? Would you teach us to mobilize better as your followers? No, they knew, they knew the secret, if you will, behind the powerful anointing ministry of Jesus Christ. And that was his vertical, awesome relationship with the Father. And it was exhibited or put on display through this humble posture of prayer. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching on prayer, and he tells his disciples these words. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Well, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, prayer is this vital communication, this link, if you will, that only humanity has with God. Intercessory prayer is where we come before God and we make our petitions known to Him, our requests known to Him. But I would ask you today, before you move into that time of intercessory prayer, that you would take a few moments every day, just a few moments every day, and before you get to the S, if you will, in supplication, that you would go to A-C-T. A stands for adoration, adoring God. In my quiet time every day, I adore the Lord and I repeat the Hebrew names of God. The series of messages that I preach to us, I go through every one of those Hebrew names of God and I just call His name out and praise His name. And when I see God in His holiness, I always see me in my sinfulness. And so that is a beautiful segue an easy transition to a time of confession. So I confess my sins. Brother Danny, you sin? You have sins to confess? Just ask my family. They will say, yes, he, he certainly does. He's human just like us. And so I, I call out to the Lord and I say, God, please forgive me of sins of omission and sins of commission, things that I did not do that I should have done and, Lord, things I did that I should not have done. And so I go through a whole time of just confessing my sins to God. Then I move to a time of thanksgiving. Thank you, God. And I just list, before I ask God for anything, I just thank Him over and over for His bountiful grace, His multitude of blessings to me. Years ago, there was a book written by Bruce Wilkinson, and it's called The Prayer of... Anybody? Jabez. That's right. Uh, there's only one time in the Bible where this man's name is mentioned. It literally means to be born in pain. And Jabez is mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And I know there are a lot of people who give criticism. I tell you, you can't do anything of value without being highly, extremely criticized. And that just comes with it. And, and not that I agree with everything that's written in the book, but let me tell you this. I agree with a whole lot more than I disagree. So why focus on the minors when we ought to focus on the majors? That's another sermon. Let me get back over here to this sermon. Okay. He says in this book that there is a, now this is a, an apocryphal story, but it really, it could happen that a man dies and he goes before God in heaven and before he goes before the Lord, he is taken by an angel and he has walked through the portals of, of heaven and he comes upon this room and he peers into the room and there is this humongous room filled with unopened presence. And the man asked the angel, he says, Sir, what is this? I've never read about this. I never, I never knew that this existed. There's this beautiful room here, and there are all these presents, but they are unopened. And the angel said, You don't want to know. Now, the inquisitive man said, But yes, I do want to know. Please tell me. And he said, Well, unfortunately, these are all the prayers that were never asked. And these are the answers to those prayers, and God would have given them to his children had they only asked. I don't want to commit that error. 
I want everything that God wants me to have. And I want to say unashamedly today that I believe that Jesus Christ is telling the truth. He always tells the truth. And he tells us, in fact, he commands us to ask. We have not, the book of James says, chapter 4, verse, verse 2, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. So today we're going to ask. And we're going to talk about what it means to ask the Lord. First of all, he gives us a command. He gives us three commands in verse 7. Each one of these commands is a present active imperative, simply meaning it is in the ongoing tense, that we are to keep on every day, ongoingly, we are commanded by God to ask God, to seek God, and to knock. I mentioned a moment ago how I am encouraged by by this culture of prayer that God is creating in our church. There's a group of us that meet every Tuesday at noon. We just come together. And we're small in number, but you're invited to come. We just pray. We pray for an hour. You said, that's absolutely impossible. Pastor, I'd fall asleep. I'd start snoring. That's impossible. I can never pray for an hour. You'd be surprised. It's a sweet time of just interceding for Great Hills Baptist Church. For you see, I believe God is working and God desires to do an awesome work in us and through us that will reach the nations with the gospel. But I have yet to see God do a demonstrative, palpable, powerful work among His people unless His people asked for it. That we pray to God and we, we ask, oh God in heaven, would you rent the heavens and would you come down and would you manifest your power and your grandeur and your greatness and your glory and use us, oh God, as your children to change this jaded and sinful world. And Jesus says, good for you. I am giving you the command, ask, ask me. Secondly, he gives the command to seek. Again, that's a present active imperative. Keep on seeking. Now, what you're going to find is each one of these commands increases in urgency and intensity. So you ask, but then you take it really to another level, and you seek. Have you ever lost something? Some of you say, well, I lose stuff all the time. Pastor, I lose my keys, I lose my wallet, I lose my phone, I just misplace things. You know, when I lose something, which is very common in, in my life and in my family, not to mention any names, Brian, but anyhow, we, we lose things a lot. And when, I, when the moment I find that I've lost something, there is an intensity about me, especially if it's like my wallet or my, or my phone, and I just go off. I mean, I just am, I am frantic, and I am, I am searching, and I, I am looking. And God says, take that same intensity and bring it to me. Come to me with that fervor and with that, that sense of panic, if you will. That, oh, God, this is urgent, and, and this is intense. One, one writer put it this way. Craig Blomberg says these words. Whenever we ask, seek, or knock, we are petitioning God with an expectant attitude. I don't think that's disrespectful. I don't think that's dishonoring God. If we come to him and we are asking and we are seeking, and then thirdly, he commands us to knock. I mean, that, that's, that's intense. Like, like someone yesterday knocked on my door Saturday, and I, and I almost didn't get the door because I, I was afraid... Well, who in the world would be knocking on my door? And I thought it was the Mormons, I'll be honest with you. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that I want to talk to the Mormons today. But then it's like the Lord said, 
go get the door, you know, and tell, tell them about the real Jesus. So I said, okay, and I, I opened the door. And man, that guy wouldn't stop. He just kept knocking. I don't think he was going to stay out there until I got off my lazy couch and opened the door. Well, it was um, an appliance guy trying to deliver us a, a, a microwave that we never ordered. It was, it was kind of funny, but, but it got my attention. I mean, the knock got my attention. No, 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 again. If a physical, tangible knock on the door can arrest me out of my slumber and cause me to go and open the door, how much more? The God in heaven who never sleeps, who never slumbers, who deeply loves us, he invites us to knock on heaven's portals, on heaven's gates, on heaven's doors and say, it's me, oh God, it's me, oh God, standing in the need of prayer. And I come before you and here's my request and here's my pleadings, oh God, and I bring them before you. I believe heaven is pleased. I believe that's what God wants us to do as his children. Now, some of you are giving me that jaded look and I know what you're thinking. Well, what's the use? God's going to do what God's going to do anyhow. Really, does prayer make a difference? Does prayer really change things? Listen, friends, it does. God always answers prayer. And what's so amazing about God's answering us is sometimes He just flat out gives us a yes. Now, I've been in situations where we prayed and anointed with oil, a man dying of cancer, and he was supernaturally healed. You think that'll increase your prayer life when you actually see that? And I did. There have been times when I've done the same thing, and God supernaturally said no. So there is a mystery. There is an element of divine mystery in prayer. God says yes. God says no. And sometimes, y'all help me, God says, he says, Wait. And some of you are like, oh, I'd rather have a yes or a no instead of a wait. Hey, that's part of God. You see, you see the contingency factor in there? You see the dependency on God? He is our heavenly Father, and, and He loves us, and he, and he wants us to come to Him, and He wants us to be persistent. Remember in Luke 18, 1, He told the parable of the persistent widow that we talked about a few weeks ago where it says, and Jesus gave us the story so that men always ought to pray and not faint or never give up. So he gives us this command. I don't uh, agree, Mercy. I, in fact, I disagree with a lot of Charles Finney's theology. In fact, I wrote my Ph.D. dissertation on this man. I traveled up to Oberlin uh, College, one of the most liberal colleges in America, and I spent a week there. Uh, my Ph.D. supervisor says, if you're going to write this dissertation, you've got to go to the original sources. I was like, oh, I was afraid you're going to say that. And so I spent a week in the archives in the special collections department, and, and I was researching and pouring over these documents about this man, and I unearthed some things that were really fascinating about Charles Grandison Finney. And he was a great evangelist. He was also a pastor and a president. He was actually the second president of Oberlin College. But while I was there, I came across this true story of this video that we just watched. Do y'all remember the video you kind of laughed at a moment ago about the umbrella? This is a true story. In the summer of 1852, Charles Finney was pastoring really the first mega church, if you will, in Ohio. And I've been to this church. I've literally stood at the pulpit, and it looks just like our church, a little smaller but it is very circular. It is, you can see people rather easily. And, and Finney one day went to church as usual on a Sunday, and they were in the midst of a severe drought. 
I mean, it had not rained in weeks, and the people were suffering for it. They were in desperate need of rain. And so on this day, Charles Grandison Finney walked to the church on a hot, bright, sunny day with an umbrella in his hand. And people thought, oh my goodness, the pastor has lost his ever-loving mind. You don't, we have been in a drought for weeks, and Charles Finney got up in that pulpit with an umbrella, and this is what he prayed. He said, Lord, we want rain. We do not presume to dictate upon thee, but our pastures are dry, and the earth is gaping open for rain. Oh, Lord, send us rain, and send it now. Although to us there is no sign of it, it is an easy thing for thee to do. Send us rain. <laughs> you say, well, what happened? While he stood at that very moment in that pulpit, a torrential rain came out of the heavens. And the choir and the congregation, they stood to their feet. They burst forth and they sang, <laughs> Praise God! from whom all blessings flow. And I thought, that is a true story. The audacity, the spiritual audacity of that man of God. I mean, he could have looked like a fool. Go in there, and, and he had that umbrella, and he said, oh God, let me use this umbrella and send the rain and send it now. And bam, it began to rain. So God tells us, in fact, he commands us, ask me, seek me. Knock on my door. You, listen, you're not bothering me. It's me, Lord. It's me again. I'm sorry. I, I know. I, I've been... No, 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 don't do that. Just The Bible says we enter into the, the, the throne of God, the grace of God, boldly, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. L let me share, share this verse with you again. You do not have because you do not ask. James 4, 2. All right, let me give you a promise here. In verses 7 and 8, Jesus gives us a promise. There's a correlating promise for every command to pray. For example, when he says, ask me, he says in verse 7, I will give to you. Seek me, and you will find me. And if you knock on my door, it will indeed be opened. And that is, that is the promise of God. God himself invites his children to pray. And then again, in case we missed it, don't you love it when the Bible repeats itself? I, I know the Bible was written for people like me. I tell you, I'm so scatterbrained, I can read it and miss it. But in case I missed verse 7, the Holy Spirit put verse 8 in, and it's almost the same. For everyone who asks, command, here's the promise, receives. He who seeks the command is the promise he will find. And to him who knocks, I give you the command, knock. And then verse 8 says, I give you the promise, I will open it up to you. Now, let me share something with you about prayer that's very important. Whenever you pray, you really need to pray this, this way. Thy will be done. Matthew 6, 10. Uh, God, I, I ask you this, but God, since you're smarter than I am and you know more than I do, I want you to answer this prayer according to your divine prerogative, according to your divine will. 
But you would say, but, but Brother Danny, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I'm a, I'm a young lady, and I'm ready to get married. Hello. I've been asking God now for eight years. Lord, where is that man? I'm ready to find that man. God, marry that man. And Lord, I love you, and we're going to have a Christian home. So bring him on, Lord. Bring that man on to me right now. And God says, well, won't you just wait? And you're like, <laughs> I don't want to wait. And God says, but I know more than you. I'm smarter than you. Well, if you want to put it like that, Brother Danny, I guess you're right. I guess I'll just, I just guess I'll just have to wait, and I'll just have to keep on. That's exactly right. Thy will be done, O God. I tell you, I'd rather be single and lonely than marry somebody that God never intended me to marry. You know, to, to wait and to, and to be patient. Second thing I want to share with you, this little caveat about prayer, is always pray God's will be done. And number two, let me cross-reference to 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. This is a great scripture on prayer. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, and here's why. Because we keep God's commandments, and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Without a doubt, unequivocally, I know some of our prayers are not answered because we're not walking with God. We're not doing those, keeping his commandments and doing those things that are honorable in his sight. It's like if one of my sons come to me and says, uh, Dad, I, I need my money. I need my allowance. Uh, have you taken the garbage out? Nope, hadn't done that in a year. <laughs> hadn't taken the garbage out. Have you cleaned your room? No, Dad, it looks horrible. You ought to go in there and look at it. It smells hor horrendous. And, but I need my money. I need my, I need my allowance. And, and you think, well, that's incongruent. That's inconsistent. They're just some basic, simple principles that God says, I need you to do these things. Walk with me by faith. Do what I ask you to do. So, ask, seek, knock, and here we have the promise. There's a, another scripture I want to share with you, and it's called 2 Corinthians 12, 8, and 9. And I hope this encourages you. I, I, I preached on this text here Friday morning when Pastor Chester and I shared with the Daly family in, in, the, in the funeral. And Paul says three times, I ask God, will you let this be removed from me? Now, I don't know what this was. That some people believe it was a poor eyesight. Oh, it was some other physical malady. We, we don't know. It may be some spiritual issue that Paul was dealing with. Maybe some, it may be some human issues, somebody that maybe was giving him a hard time, and he says, God, please, please, please. I pleaded with the Lord three times, and God told Paul no. Now listen, if God, has, if God can tell Paul no, he's going to tell me no, but here's what he said. Even in my no, I'm telling you this, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. And then Paul, just like Paul, he says, okay, I got it. I will rejoice and I will boast in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God gave me a word here, church family. I want to share this with you. And I, I'm excited to share this. I've got stars underlined. It's in yellow. It's, it says, speak this. Speak, speak. Okay, so I'm going to speak this. Keep in mind that the greater part of prayer is not the answer but the byproduct of intimacy with Christ, which results in praise to God. 
So really the focus is not on the thing desired, it's upon the person to whom it is petitioned. And when you pray to God and when you spend those moments with Him in prayer, you develop this relationship with God. And the more you talk to God in prayer, I tell you, it just changes your life. It it changes your attitude. You're much more careful of what you say and, and how you live your life. When you're in that sweet vertical dimension of praying to God, it impacts every dimension of your life horizontally in the way you deal with people. So the third thing is this. Not only is there a command, but also there's a promise. And then Jesus, who's the master teacher, gives us an illustration. And in the illustration, he says, What man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? And by the way, loaves of bread then looked like stones. And I can see that even today with a fresh, freshly baked loaf of bread. You can see it. I mean, you can see the, the, the contour, the brownness of it. You can say, well, that, that actually looks like a stone. And then he says, and if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? And there were these eel-like fish that had the similarity, the similitude of a snake. And so, and Jesus, he's, he's, he's so awesome. He's so wise. He has them in the palm of his hand. And he says, now, you being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, I mean, think about it. If your son comes to you and says, Dad, I have not eaten in days, and here's a, here's a loaf of bread over here. Would you please give me that bread? What earthly father in his right mind would take that loaf of bread and hide it and give him a stone and say, Put your chops in that, old sonny boy. I mean, you would think, what? That, is, that is repulsive. That is preposterous. That's exactly what Jesus wanted us to say. That's precisely what he wanted us to say. And the same thing with the fish. Dad, I'm so hungry, and I've been serving you, and, I, and I've been working, and, and I'm coming to you, and I'm, I want to eat, and I see food on the table, and, and instead of, of, of giving him a, a, a fish or something to eat, I mean, he gives him a snake or a, or a scorpion, and, and you go, oh, that is ludicrous. What dad would ever do? And it's what Jesus said. Now, if you, being evil, and let me stop there for just a minute. Isn't it interesting how Jesus taught people? I mean, really, he basically called them out and said, you, you're evil. Humanity is evil. Anybody want to argue with that, by the way? Does anybody disagree that there is original sin, that we are sinful? And because of our sin, there's a lot of bad things that, that happen. And Jesus said, you know, you're evil, and you would give a, a bread. You would give something to eat. How much more would your heavenly Father who loves pristinely. He's absolutely perfect. There is not a residue of evil or selfishness in him. How much more will he bless and grant unto his children the things that they ask for? Now listen to this. If he doesn't give you what you ask for, you just be patient, be faithful, keep praying, keep loving him because he's going to give you even something better than you asked for. That's, that's part of being his child. That's one of the blessings of walking in intimacy with God. There's so much, man, there's so much peace. There's so much favor. And, and, and even though I don't get what I asked for initially, if I'll just be patient, God will give me something far. But I tell you, this young lady in high school and college, she broke my heart. All five foot ten of her, I might add. I went to the prom like this. You know, I was dating, prom date, you know. I mean, she's... 
She's five foot ten. I'm five foot six. I've been that way since the second grade. Amen. I'm five foot six. And I tell you, when she said, you know, she gave me that old proverbial, you know, I think we need to, help me, see other people. And I looked around and said, I don't need to see nobody. You are, you are it, Camille. Beautiful young lady. She goes, no, I think, it's, I think it's time we parted our ways. And I remember I went home. I was a freshman in, in college, and I went home, and my mom said, Dan, that's what she used to call me, Dan. Come, come on, Dan, I, you and I need to walk. And we went walking on this dusty road in Alabama, and she said to me, she said, Dan, I never told you this, but for two years I knew she was not the one for you. What? What is this? She goes, oh, no, no, I, I knew all along. And I don't think it's because she is a Methodist and I was a Baptist. I'll be honest. I don't think that was it. She goes, no, no, Dan, listen to me. God has somebody far greater. You ain't even met her yet, Danny. Just, just trust God because watch this. He is going to richly bless you. And I mean, I was weeping. I was crying. You ever had your heart just broken? To make matters worse, she called me the next morning and said, I made a mistake. We need to get back together. I'm telling you, I'm on the phone with her, and I have this look on my face, and my sweet mama across the kitchen, she went. (laughs) She read the conversation. I was like, how? And then I I literally, (laughs) I said, I can. I I don't think that's a good idea. My mom's like, that's right. So I go to University of Mobile, and and here comes Ashley. And 29 years later, I mean, here we are. And I tell you, she is perfect for me. My mom was absolutely right. But more than that, my God was absolutely right. So he gives this powerful illustration that we, that we can read and we can appreciate it. I don't know if you've counted, but five times in five verses, the word ask is used. Five times in five verses, the word give or a form of the word give is used. It's like God is just imploring us and he's just pouring it out. Ask me. There's a pastor in Washington, D.C. named Mark Batterson. He's written a book called The Circle Maker and I've ordered a copy for our staff. It should be getting here any, any day and I can't wait for our staff to read this book. He He's a church planter. He was in Washington, D.C. And you're talking about a tough place. That's a tough place. And he lives just a couple of miles from the capital. I mean, he's downtown there in D.C. area. And he was reading one day, and he, he came across this book of famous quotes and prayers and sayings, and he came across this man by the name of Honey Magel. And Honey, H-O-N-I, was a first-century Jewish scholar that the Talmud, now the Talmud is an interpretation, elaboration upon the Old Testament sacred scriptures. And in the Talmud, it literally tells the story about Honi. In Palestine, the Jews were in the first century, were going through an awful drought. And Honi literally took a stick and he got out in the sand there in, in, in Israel and he drew a circle in the sand completely, 360 drew a circle. People were watching him, and he stopped. He said, I am not getting out of the circle until God sends the rain. Now, I, I don't really recommend you doing that. I'm, I'm just sharing a story with you, okay? But 
God tells you to do something to make sure it's God telling you. Anyhow, he's in that circle. He doesn't move. And people are like, man, you've lost your mind. You're going you're to die of thirst and starvation. And sure enough, it wasn't long. Little drops of rain begin to come. He got bold. He said, Lord, I didn't ask you for drops of rain and drizzles. I'm asking you for a downpour, for a rain, a drenching rain. And boom, the heavens were open, and a flood descended upon that man, upon that sand, upon that land. Well, people were ready to excommunicate him. How dare you be so bold and forward in your prayers to God? But the brother of the queen interceded for him and said, we're not going to excommunicate him. Here's what the, the brother of the queen said. He has a special relationship with God. So Mark Batterson took that story of Honey, and he developed a whole book, a whole study called The Circle Maker. And here's what he did. He walked outside of his door 15 years ago and literally walked south, and he turned west, and he went north, he came back east, and he literally, it took him 4.7 miles, took him uh, oh, many hours, and he prayer walked the perimeter of the White House, of the Capitol, the Lincoln Memorial, all of that, and he prayed. And he said, God, I'm, I'm just a young pastor. I don't know a lot, but I'm just asking you to do an amazing work in our church. They had 12 people in his church. Oh, they grew to 19. They brought in $2,000 a month. That didn't even cover their rent. But what he did is he walked that day 15 years ago. He came upon this crack house, and he prayed over the crack house. And then he came upon this old abandoned theater, and he prayed over that theater. And then he came across this piece of property that was for sale. I mean, land, can you imagine how expensive it is in Washington, D.C.? It cost about $8 million. He prayed over that. And today, 15 years later, he says, we are ministering to tens and tens of thousands of people. We have eight campuses. And let me tell you exactly what happened to those three places I visited. The crack house is now Ebenezer's coffee house of our church. And the old rundown theater is the seventh campus. And the acreage that they bought, $8 million, they paid for it with cash, and they are going to build them another building. It's going to be their eighth campus. And Pastor Mark says this, I'm telling you guys, all I did was I drew a circle like Joshua and Jericho. We drew a circle around this city, and we prayed, and we asked God, we begged God, and 15 years later, we have what we have. And he said these words. He says, and I truly believe we never would have been granted this had we not asked. What do you need to ask God for today? Would you be so willing and bold to draw a circle? Draw a circle around the request. Maybe today is a spiritual marker kind of day. April 21, 2013. Is the day you ask God for help. You ask God to help your marriage. I mean, you really did. This day, you drew a circle around your spouse and your children. You said, oh, God, save our marriage, save our family. Maybe you are one of those single adults, and you've been praying and asking God, but today's different. You're drawing a circle around that future spouse 
and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm really asking you and I'm pleading with you. By the way, every day, every single day of my life, I pray for you, intercede for you hard, okay? And I pray for my immediate family. And I have a whole litany of prayers, and it takes me quite a while to get through it. But for my children, some of the things I pray for them is, by name, I pray, thank God that all three of my children are walking with the Lord. And I pray for their spouse, their future spouse, and their future spouse's family. That God would bless them, and God would prepare them for Hannah, Bryant, and Layton. So I am pleading with God. I'm, I am praying. I've drawn a circle around that, if you will. In fact, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have my, my big prayer sheet out, and I've got all these prayer requests, and they're all dated. And I've got pages and pages and pages of thank you, Jesus, with a date. I want to tell you something that will increase your faith is when I go looking through those pages and pages and all those answered prayers, I'm like, thank you, God. He really means it. If you would ask me, draw a circle around your marriage, draw a circle around your future spouse, draw a circle around your finances, draw a circle, if you will, around us, your church family, your, your pastor, your staff, and begin to ask God for a miracle. I'm going to make you a promise that I'm done. Y'all ready for this? God will do something. Be careful what, what I didn't say. I drew a circle around my finances and I'm more in debt now. No, 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 listen. God's going to do something. He, listen, Jesus said, ask me. Ask me. All these presents in heaven, they're going to stay unopened. Ask. Ask me. In faith, ask God. And I'm telling you, church family, I'm telling you by experience, he will answer. He, he will not turn a deaf ear. He will say yes, no, or wait. And in the process, you will get closer to him, and you will end up praising him. And I think that's the, that's the end game after all, is that God just wants his children to talk to him. He wants us to fellowship with him. He wants us to come to him just as we are and, and just intercede and, and praise his name and, and be in communion with him. So why don't we do this? Why don't we... Why don't we practice what we preach even now? Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and let's enter into a time of intercessory prayer. You may be here today and the main thing is you, you need the Lord in your life. You need to pray that first prayer of surrender and say, God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life and be the Lord and be the boss of me. I, I am making a mess of me. And I need you, Jesus, to forgive me and cleanse me and, and to be my king and to be my savior. Listen, friend, if you do that, I mean, in a nanosecond, God will answer that prayer, and by his spirit, he will inhabit you. He will change you from the inside out. You'll begin this awesome journey of walking with Jesus, and I invite you to do that even now, right now. But this is a church, and a church is a congregation of the people of God. And that's why as a pastor, most of my sermons are to you as a church to build you up in your most holy faith, to equip you as a saint so that you can do the work of ministry that God has called you. I wonder if there's somebody here today and in a demonstrative way you would come forward and you, you may just stand at this altar and you just draw a circle, imaginary circle around your life. And you don't care. You don't care who sees you. You may be a young man and you're single and you come forward and you may think, oh, look, well, people are going to say, I know what he's praying for. He's praying for a woman. I guarantee that old boy, he's praying for one. So what? 
So what? You come forward as a couple, and you're just praying for your marriage, or you're praying for a special need in your life, and, and, and you, would just, you would just take God at his word and say, God, here we are. We're going to ask. We're going to seek. We're going to knock. And Father, I thank you so much today. You are so kind. You're so gracious. And God, you are mysterious. We, we can never figure you out because we're mortal and you're eternal. But humbly, God, we want to take you at your word. And we just want to ask you for this. And so in a moment when I finish this prayer, I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And, and you, some of you I know, some of you will want to do this. You will want to take a step of faith, come and stand at the altar. Someone can pray with you if you'd like for them to. Or maybe you just want to stand, stand alone, you and your family. Or maybe they're in your congregation, you just, in, in, your, in your pew. You would reach out and you just take somebody by the hand and say, I'm just going to draw a circle around this. And you tell them. And you covenant to pray with one another right there. Wouldn't that be neat? So, God, we come before you as a Great Hills family that just loves you and we're passionate for you and your word. Would you work in our church, God? Would you work in a special way even now? And, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are going to hear these requests. And I thank you, God, that you are going to answer them because that's just who you are. You're an awesome God. No prayer is wasted on heaven's ear. So, Lord, you hear, and we trust you with the answer. Whatever the answer is, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? God bless you as you rise to your feet. Some of you want to come to the altar. Some of you want to stand where you are and just begin to pray. And, Terry, why don't you lead us as we sing? And God bless you now as you come.